Let's pray before we begin. Lord please let us understand your word and put it in our hearts. May it shape our lives to be more like your Son. In Jesus' name we ask, Amen. There are three I am's in Romans chapter 1. There is, in verse 14, I am debtor. In verse 15, I am ready. And in verse 16, I am not ashamed. The Apostle Paul bases each of the statements on the ones that follow. <clears throat> For example, he said, I am debtor. He said, because I am debtor, I am ready to preach the gospel. He said, because I am ready to preach the gospel, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. <clears throat> I've been a little interested this week. There are people in this room who will not even put a praise the Lord sticker on your bumper. You don't want folks to think that you're a nut. Well, God thinks you are if you're ashamed of him. And you don't want folks to think that you're a nut. You're not willing to say, praise the Lord, and have that placed on your bumper sticker. You're a little timid to pick up a telephone and say, praise the Lord. Of course, you don't mind saying First National Bank or uh, something else, but you don't want to say, praise the Lord. And you know, all, all over this area this week, I have seen big signs in yards that say, um, vote for um, Raskowski for mayor, or vote for Meyer for mayor. Isn't it sort of a sad state of affairs when Democrats are bolder about their nominee than Christians are about their Savior? See, you're ashamed. Paul wasn't. Paul said, because I'm a debtor, I am ready to preach, and I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the power of God and the salvation of to everyone that believes. First he states the fact, I'm debtor. Then he states his character, I'm ready to preach it. And then he states his payment, I owe every man the debt of not being ashamed of this wonderful message of Christ. Now what do I owe? Romans 13 verse 8 says, Owe no man anything but to love one another. I owe every person in this world my love. And if this morning you don't love people, you're in debt, and you're dishonest, and you're crooked, all this criticism, all this judging, preachers judging other preachers, and churches judging other churches, I'm talking, of course, about Bible-believing churches now, and little things, fellows too loud, or fellows too soft, or fellows too short, or fellows too long, or fellows too funny, or fellows too serious, all of that which means you're dishonest and means we're crooked. We owe a debt to love all men. I'm to love my friends. I'm also to love my enemies. I'm to love my praisers. I'm also to love my critics. I'm in debt. Romans 8, 12 says, We are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. I owe you as my people and many others I owe every man my love and to live in the Spirit and not after the flesh. Now, whom do I owe this morning? To whom do I, or to whom do I owe this debt, this debt of love? 
this death to be in the will of God all of my life, this death to serve God with all of my heart, to whom do I owe this debt? I want to call to your attention three things. I owe this debt to the past. I owe this debt to the present. And I owe this debt to the future. I owe the people in the past, God's people in the past, a debt. That debt is to love. That debt is not to be ashamed. That debt is to do God's will. I said this morning in my Sunday school class, it's absolute folly for a Christian washed in the blood of Calvary on his way to heaven, redeemed by Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit lives in his body, saved from the torments of hell. The peace of God dwells in his soul. It is absolute folly and dire ingratitude for that person not to follow the Holy Spirit and not to give God everything that he has. Why? I owe a debt to the past. I owe a debt to every Christian who's ever lived. I owe a debt to every preacher who's ever preached this message. I owe a debt to every church that's ever stood for the Word of God. I owe a debt to every soul winner who's ever pointed one person toward the Lord Jesus Christ. I see the ancient saints at their midnight lamps hiding in their closets in days gone by. I owe them a debt to carry the torch that they've carried in their lives. I see their bodies scarred with the wounds of persecution. And I say, I owe them a debt. I must give everything I have to God. I see the martyrs with their tombs stained with their blood. And I say that they kept and preserved this book for me and this message for me. And I owe them the debt of giving God all that I have. You see, the second man on a relay team owes the first man his best. And the third man on a relay team owes the first two men his best. And the fourth man on a relay team owes the first three men his best. The middle of the second man owes his best to the first man who preceded him and the third and fourth man who follow him. And let me tell you something. You and I owe a debt this morning to every person who has preserved this message that we preserve this message to every person who has given us this book, that we give it to others, to those who've handed to us the baton of the race that we're to run. We owe it to run the race while we're here. So we hand the baton to others. We'll give them a good lead and the proper standing in the race. I see the martyrs boiled in oil, burned at the stake, drugged down rocky streets. I see them daring lions in the amphitheater. I see them torn to the wild beasts. I see their ashes thrown to the winds. I see the bloody day of St. Bartholomew in the valley of, of Piedmont and the mountains of Switzerland. And I see the saints of God who shed their blood and given their all in the past. I owe them a debt. Oh, my soul, when I stop to think how little we do for God today. People died that you might have this room, be in this room today. People died that you might read this book today, and you won't even come to church on Sunday night. You sit home, watch a dirty little box on Sunday night, and Hollywood uh, productions on Sunday night or Wednesday night, while God's Word is being opened and God's man is preaching God's message, and you stand on the blood of martyrs who gave their lives and gave their all to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, I will not... I will not dip my sails about one doctrine. 
I will not. I will not for young people. I will not for deacons. I will not for teachers. I will not for anybody dip my sails about one doctrine. And that is those of us who have been washed in the blood of God's own dear Son, all that to give God everything that we have. I'm tired of halfway Christianity. Tired of being half in and half out, half on and half off, half hot and half cold, lukewarm kind of Christianity. All to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely give. Some of you folks this morning said home <clears throat> on Sunday morning, you've got 101 temperature and you've got a Sunday school class waiting here. Brother, if you, I say to our staff, don't you call in sick, you call in sick. You say, you're pretty mean. I'm not mean. I just think when I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain, I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my life, my love, my all. And America is languishing today because of the mediocrity of our Christian people. We're languishing today because of Pat Patricia Hearst can get more excited about rebellion and communism than we can about the most wonderful story ever told. It's time the people of God in America stood up and said, I owe a debt and I'll pay that debt. I owe God everything I have. I owe Jesus Christ my all. And I listen, I want to have a big church. <clears throat> I want to reach everybody we can. I don't care about just having a big church. But I want to reach everybody with the gospel I can. And brother, next spring we'll go to 20,000. I believe we'll average 20,000 next spring in our Sunday school. And I stood up here <clears throat> five years ago, and I said, we're going to average 10,000 one of these days. You thought I was a fool, and I knew I was a fool. I had no idea we could do it. And yet here we are now. Last year, average 13,500 and something in Sunday school. You say, why? Because we've worked. But listen, I will not, I will not, I will not sacrifice my convictions for a crowd of people. I won't do it. I won't do it. I want our church not only to have the most people we can reach, but I want our, listen, I want our folks to be noticed and distinguished when they walk down the streets of our town. Brother, I want you to see one of our young ladies and how she wears her skirt. And I want everybody to say, she must be from First Baptist Church. I want folks to see how our young boys wear their hair. And you men, too. I want to see how they wear their hair. And I want this whole area to say, they must go to First Baptist Church of Hammond. I want them to see a Praise the Lord bumper sticker on the back of your car and say, they must go to First Baptist Church in Hammond. God has not called us to live like the world. God has not called us to smell like the world. God has not called us to dress like the world. God has not called us to fashion ourselves after the world. And brother, it's time we are willing and happy to be different for Jesus Christ. Wear it proudly. Put praise with all on the back of your car and, and have it proudly there. And write it in, on your front door and have it proudly there. And say it on your telephone and say it proudly there. I watched the Olympics last time, a few of the games, and I saw some of these American people giving the communist salute. The communist salute so the whole world could see them on television. And there they are, willing to be different here in our country for rotten, atheistic, godless communism. And we won't even say, praise the Lord! What kind of hypocrisy is that? 
You ought to sing the songs of Christ. Talk about Jesus. Let's talk about Jesus. The King of kings is He. The Lord of lords, supreme through all eternity. The great I am, the way, the truth, the life, the door. Let's talk about Jesus more and more. fellow said to me, he said, I hate your church. I hate you. He said, when I drive down Sibley, uh, Sibley Street to go to work, I won't drive by your church. I turn right there on, on uh, Oakley, go down to Fayette, and go down Fayette till I get to Seoul and turn left on Seoul and come back to Sibley. I go three blocks out of the way just so I wanted to pass by your church. I said, why? He said, because I hear you preaching against liquor in my mind, and I think of all the things I did that you preach against. And I said, Hallelujah, glory to God. I hope, I hope it always, by our very presence, convict people of their sin and unrighteousness. We owe a debt. <coughs> they gave me this Bible. They preserved this message. They suffered for my liberty. And I'll not squander it. I'm a debtor to those who have braved the trials that found this country. I'm debtor to those men of God who pastored me. I'm dead to that big, giant fellow, Forrest McElroy, who took me in his arms and lured me in the watery grave of baptism. I'm deader to Brother Dee Dee Summerall, who was my pastor when I was a teenage boy. Ushers, do your job back here. <coughs> I'm deader <coughs> to him. I'm deader to J.C. Sizemore, who, who, who licensed me and ordained me and founded me, grounded me in the, in, in the, in the, in the doctrine of Christ. I'm deader to those Sunday school teachers who taught me. I'm better to Mrs. Bethel, who took me and told me that Jesus loved me when I was a barefooted boy in the beginner department. I'm better to Mr. Mrs. Smith, who taught me in Sunday school. I'm better to Mr. Atwood, who sat at the little head of a table and taught me this blessed Word of God and told us, Boys, I'm going to pray for every one of you till you mount to something for God. I'm better to that man who's in heaven today. I'm debtor to give him all I have. I'm debtor to Mr. Spruce. I'm debtor to Mrs. Hazelwood. I'm debtor to Proctor Boyd. I'm debtor to Dr. Rutherford. I'm debtor to Sam Montgomery. I'm debtor to all those who took the Word of God and taught me when I was a boy and tried to make it. And by the way, young people, you owe me some debts too, by the way. And you owe your Sunday school teacher some debts. Last week I heard of one of our young young men who'd gone out and, and drunk some liquor and, and gone to a rock music concert. And by the way, when I say rock music, I'm including Johnny Denver on that too, in case you'd like to know. There's nothing that's condemned our young people any more than this little bridge from decent music to indecent music, and that bridge is called Johnny Denver. And what you ought to do is trade Johnny Denver in for Bev Shea, our, our, uh, our, uh, um, can't think of a singer now, Jack Hiles, or, or somebody else. But why in the world do you want to stay right next to the fence? Why don't you just set out for God and give God everything? All of it! By the way, they wouldn't have that kind of record. Some of you moms and dads had some intestinal fortitude. You dads that haven't got enough spine, you've got a rope for a backbone. You let your kids listen to this dirty rock music that comes out of hell. Listen, if you'd listen to some of those words sometime yourself, you'd get those records and break them. You say, well, the house, well, what would I do? Little Junior gets mad. Break his back then or his neck. 
You say, I believe you ought to have love. Do it in love then. You say, you're mad. You better know I'm mad. I'm mad because communism is ruining our country. I'm mad because dope is being advertised in rock music. I'm mad because of this dirty, stinking, filthy adult bookstore less than five blocks from where I stand. I'm mad because of this rotten, hellish theater down here on, on Calumet Street that reaches its dirty hands out to soil and spoil the lives and decency and chastity of our young people. I'm mad about it. We don't have anything wrong in this church that some old-fashioned parents who had some intestinal fortitude couldn't cure. You say, what would you do if you found out one of your daughters listened to rock music? You wouldn't want to hear. But I'll tell you one thing, the corner of Scripture, blood would fly by to the horse's bridle. It's time God's people live like God's people, sing like God's people, act like God's people. Why? We owe it in. Now, I don't want that dear old Sunday school teacher, that old one-armed teacher you've heard me talk about, old Sam Montgomery, who had a black glove on his arm, and his arm would swing to his side as he'd walk down the street like that and take the Word of God on Sunday and hold it like this while he'd turn the pages and stand up with tears in his eyes, a great man of God, and taught me to be decent. I don't want that old man looking down in heaven this morning and saying, Old Jack is not loving a living like I taught him and preaching what I taught him. I owe him a debt, and Sam, I'm going to pay you. I'm going to pay you. I don't want those men of God that loved me and cared for me to bow their heads and shed a tear or two in heaven and blush in shame because I have not made them proud and pleased of the things they taught me when I was a boy. I'm a debtor to the past. I'm a debtor to my mother. And I aim to pay her that debt. I'm a debtor to my two sisters whom I've never seen. Each of them died when she was seven years of age. And tonight, today, in Italy, Texas, two little graves right beside the other. A flood washed them away, and my mother's not exactly sure where the bodies of her little girls are today. But I owe those two little sisters, and that's one reason why I go two or three times as fast as a normal man would go. I have two little sisters that didn't get to serve God. I have two little sisters that never got to teach a Sunday school class. I have two little sisters that never got to to do the will of God for their lives. I have two little sisters who never got to go to a Christian high school. I have two sisters who never got to go to a Christian college. I have two sisters who will never get to win a soul. I've got to double up. And let me tell you something, too. <coughs> because I owe this debt, as long as I'm pastor of this church, you just mark it down. The same old message will come across this pulpit that's come across these 16 years. Now, I'm not changing. I'm not changing. You say what you want to say, brother. What I've been preaching for 30 years this month, I don't intend to change. Why? And you, but you've got more convictions than others. You're no near, more near. Yeah, and I aim to keep them, too. And I aim to stay more narrow-minded. Well, you say, how can the house? Nobody's going to come to hear you preach. Oh? Oh? There are a lot of decent Americans left. There are a lot of folks that are tired of the permissive society. I recall one night out at our high school, we had another team come in. By the way, I said again, at our high school, the visiting cheerleaders dress like our cheerleaders dress. And, Doc, I think you've seen it time and time again. When we have a guest school come in so often, you can see a, that they put some material, a hymn, on the bottom of their garments or something. And uh, 
I went out there one night, and we had some cheerleaders from over in Wheaton, and uh, they were they had uh, having a strip tease or you know doing like this, and their skirts flying up, and you see their thighs, and and uh, and uh, they had many skirts on, and so uh, I just went over to them and I said, "Sit down, sit down." I said, "Get your coats and wrap them around your legs and sit down." Now, you know, we, 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 we work too hard to put this gymnasium up out here to have a strip tease show in it. <laughs> you are really old-fashioned. That's one of the nicest things you could say about me. One of the nicest things you could say. And I plan to stay old-fashioned. And somebody said, Brother House, <laughs> Brother House, I joined this church. I like to you preach so you have one of those fits. But you better learn, learn like the fits, too, because I intend to keep on having spells over and over and over again. But you say, preacher, this is Sunday morning. This is the worshiper. You don't need a worship this morning. Most of you need to get right with God in old-fashioned mourners' bench. That's what you need. God, pity the crowd doesn't come back on Sunday night. That's the crowd that needs the tough preacher. God, give us the willingness to pay the debts we owe. I was out in, out in Pennsylvania preaching. We had, and, and the fellow walked up to me and he said, Oh, my. I'm a deacon here at a local Baptist church. But he said, Boy, the way you preach, I did sure wouldn't be a deacon in your church. And I said, Buster, you just don't know how true that is. You really wouldn't be. What's wrong with believing and selling out for God? What's wrong in preaching in 1975 what your granddad preached in 1935? I'm a debtor. I'm a debtor to my mother. I'm a debtor to my sisters. I'm a debtor to those in heaven. I'm a debtor to my Uncle Harvey, who invested in my ministry so heavily when I was a kid, preacher. I'm a debtor to those dear saints of God in that little country church that loved me and overlooked, oh, my soul, overlooked my faults. I preached a whole sermon one morning on Deborah. 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 A whole sermon on Deborah. And... Uh, and uh, you know what they did? Those dear saints of God that knew the Word of God more than I did, they called her Deborah. One of them, Mrs. Walter, came out and said, That's the best sermon I ever heard on Deborah. And I, I didn't tell her, but it's probably the only one she's ever heard on Deborah. But I'll word that. I can see her now. She sat in the same old pew every Sunday. And I can see it. Well, I got discouraged and had a burden and a heartache. And she called me on the phone. She was 88 and I was 22. <clears throat> she called me on the phone. And she said, Pastor, could you come and advise me about something? I went over to her house and she said, Pastor, I've got a burden, a heartache, and a problem. And you're so wise, I think you can advise me. And I didn't even know for months and months after that that she had made up the problem to make me feel good. And I told her, with all the wisdom that I had, and uh, the answer, the solution to the problem, I owe that old lady a debt today. I owe a debt to Mrs. Munden, uh, Mrs. Myrtle Munden, who walked two miles with a heart condition and took usually at least one or two nights with listening tablets on the way to church every Sunday morning. I owe a debt to that little deacon I had down in the, in the Morris Chapel Baptist Church who wore overalls to church and drove a tractor to church every Sunday morning. I would debt to those 19 people that put up with me and overlooked my faults and my weaknesses. I would debt to those people at the Grange Hall Baptist Church. Thirty-nine of them called me as their pastor. I would debt to them. 
I owe a debt to the people, the young people that I've seen Trinity preach. I owe a debt to that Southside Baptist Church of Henderson, Texas. I owe a debt to Miller Road Baptist Church in Garland, Texas. I owe a debt. And so do you. Listen to me. Everybody that's ever influenced you or taught a Sunday school class or to you or told you about Jesus or taught you some character or preached a sermon to you or loved you and tried to get you right with God, you owe it to them to live for God and sell out to Him. I'm a debtor to the past. I'm also a debtor to the present. I'm a debtor to you. I'm a debtor to these young people over here to give them all I've got to shut up and listen to me while I'm preaching. I'm a debtor to them. I owe you the right to teach you decency. I owe you a debt to teach you propriety, to teach you convictions and morals and principles and to live for God and turn out right. I owe it to you. I owe it to those little boys and girls. You know, many of you know this is true. Every week of my life, I go to the high school to department and down in the, the uh, youth center and the high school one. And, and junior high two, and junior high one, and junior three, and junior two, and junior one, and primary one and two, and beginner one and two, and the nursery. And I get down on my knees every week in those departments, and I say, Oh, my God, I'm the only preacher these kids have, and I pray you to help me to discharge my responsibility and help them to turn out right. Listen, if you've got a baby in the nursery this morning, I prayed over his bed last week. Why? I owe you a debt. I owe a debt to you folks who are shut-ins that can't go out and preach, and you pray that I will. I fly over this area a great deal and look down on this area. I love to spot this church from the air. I, uh, it makes me feel real warm. I love to see it from the air. I always want to straighten up this street out here. You don't know if this street's crooked out here. Do you know that from the air? I always want to straighten it up. But I, uh, I fly, and you know what I look for? I look for your houses you shut in. Mrs. Foreman, I used to look for your husband, your house trip after trip. And I've flown over Highland time and time again, tried to pick out your house and thought your husband stays there all the time. And uh, I, uh, the other day, I was flying over this area, and I thought about Mrs. Erickson back there. God bless her. One Sunday morning recently, we were having service in the Civic Center while this building was being built. And she looked and and she couldn't see me too well. And uh, everything got a little blurred. She went to the doctor and had some tests. And they said they found that she had a tumor in her brain. And they operated. And she's back here this morning in the aisle that they operated. And now she can't talk. And she can't walk. And she can't do any of her work. And uh, last week, she made me a little gift. And gave it to me this morning. It was under my door this morning. And I'll treasure it. No, it wasn't two and a half million dollars to pay off the building. If you get that, Ms. Erickson, I'd like to have that. But uh, it wasn't. By the way, if she had it, she'd give it to me. Now, there she sits back here this morning. She can hardly move her hands. She can't get up and walk. And day after day, she prays for me. Don't you stop it. Don't you see what I'm trying to say? I owe her a debt to see to it that her prayers aren't in pain. And time and time again, somewhere in America... I'll be ready to preach, and I'll be so tired I can hardly get up. I was preaching in Des Moines, Iowa, and I went to sleep on the platform. Well, I was, the guys introduced me, and I was sound asleep. <laughs> and he turned around and said, Dad, Dad, Dr. Kyle. <laughs> I don't know that he said I was a wide-awake, live-wire preacher. 
And I got up and apologized, and I said, folks, I'd like to apologize. I said, I was just sitting there a while ago thanking God I'm preaching instead of listening. I'd hate to set to a sermon tonight, but time and time again, I'll be preaching across the country, and I'll stop and realize the shut-ins that pray for me. I stop and think about those in rest homes and those blind people, and I think, I think this is what Ms. Erickson so often and the fact they're praying for me, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit of God will give me a new transfusion of strength and energy. I owe my debt, and I aim to pay it. I'm not, I'm not much of a preacher, and I'm not much of a scholar, but I'll tell you one thing. I'm an honest man, and I pay my debt. If I owe you some money, I'll pay it. I wish all of you would do the same thing owe me money. But I, I, I pay it. I'm honest. And I believe if you don't pay your debt, you're crooked. And I mean on time. But uh, and I, but I owe a debt, and I'm going to pay it. I owe a debt to these shut-ins. I owe a debt to the, you, you people. You're right. <clears throat> you do finance my dream. I won't tell you who wrote that poem a while ago about Texas won't take me back. But he runs the Conservatory of Music. And his name is a color, <clears throat> and it's not black. And it's a dark color, and it's not blue. And I'm going to wring his neck when I see him. But you don't have any nights and days I preach across this country. And see, I never take a day off. And sometimes on Sunday night, by the time I get through with my appointments over here, it's after midnight. And when I get home, the phone's ringing. And a lot of times on Sunday night, if I get two or three hours sleep, I'm doing good. And that's, the, and that's after Sunday. And most preachers are on the golf course the next morning. And I get up and take off and go preach somewhere that night. And, Monday, and all day Tuesday and Tuesday night. And uh, sometimes I get tired. But you don't know how many times. You don't know how many times I've been preaching. I was about to preach, and I couldn't get going, maybe. And I'd think about all of our men out at the steel mills. I sit at tables at noontime. Practically every time I eat out on Tuesday at noon, I thank God for you men that are out at the steel mills. And I know that our high school out there was put up by... by by sweat and tears and toil and blood and hard-working, hard-working men. I know that. And I'll bow my head more Tuesdays than not and say, Dear God, bless my men today, those men out there in those blast furnaces and those men in those factories. And, oh, wouldn't they love to be able to sit with Dr. John Rice today and have a meal with Dr. John Rice? And I think about you and thank God for you. And time and time again, new strength comes and a new power comes and new energy comes. Why? Oh, you're dead. That's why. And I aim to pay it. I aim to pay it. Sure. I know why you give all you got. <clears throat> I know why under the door this morning a little envelope was slipped. I opened it up and the lady said, you don't know how much these mean to me. But she said the college and the church mean more than that. She had her engagement and wedding band. She said, give it. She said sell it and give the money to the college. Last Sunday morning, when I finished preaching, or night it was, 
young lady walked up here and said, I don't have any money, but I want you to have this. She gave me her graduation ring and said, sell it. I said, take it back and think about it. If you still want to next Sunday morning, you do it. I have in my office this morning so many things. And maybe it won't make, mean the difference between two and a half million or not. It means I pastor the most sacrificial people in the world. That's what it means. It means I pastor the most loyal people in the world. That's what it means. It means when we have a need here because we believe in what we're doing, it means that many hundreds of our people, when they say, all I have, it's all his. All of it's his. I owe you a debt. I want to pay it. I not only owe a debt to the past and to the present, but I owe a debt to the future. I owe a debt to the coming generation. I owe a debt to the young people, to the children, these babies in the nursery. I owe a debt to every child who will, who will board a bus today. You know, these little boys and girls, I don't have my pen with me, I think it's a little, little pen today, but the nicest gift that most of them ever got. And about the only time they ever have anybody gives them anything is when they come to First Baptist Church, there are hundreds of them. And I go out in the alley, and they don't know me from Adam. And they'll say, the workers will teach them to say, Hello, Brother Hiles. And all of a sudden, they'll chant together, We love you, Brother Hiles. But the funny thing about it, I'm the chief around here. So my, my uh, security guard, who take me to my office and escort me up and down these alleys, and be sure I'm safe, uh, when Sergeant Miles has the uniform on, walk down the alley. You know what those kids do? They say, Hello! And I'll say, hello. And they'll say, policeman. And I want to <laughs> break his neck. And uh, But I owe a debt to those kids. I owe a debt. And I want to pay it. I owe a debt to my own children who've not had much of a debt. I owe a debt to my own children who've had to do without a debt much of their lives. I owe a debt to your children. I owe a debt to all these precious kids that follow us. I want to pay it. I owe a debt to feed the poor for someone once fed me. I owe a debt to clothe the naked for someone once clothed me. I owe a debt to cheer the discouraged for someone once cheered me. I owe a debt to put shoes on little cold feet for someone once put shoes on my little cold feet. Everything good about us, Dr. Evans. Somebody did it for us. Your mom and dad here today. They ought to have the PhD. They ought to have it. My mother says to me so often, so often she'll say to me, I'm so proud of you, son. I'm so glad I got to live to see your ministry. I'm in debt. I'm in debt. And I am to pay it. As long as I've got breath to breathe, and eyes that can see, and ears that can hear, and a voice that can speak, I am to pay it. You're in debt. You owe God and all the rest of us more than an impure life, indecent life. You're in debt. Young people, you're in debt to everybody that sacrificed to build that school, that high school out there. 
We have ladies right now still working at night after two or three years of a high school being out there, still working night, moonlighting at a lady. Working at sandwich places, making sandwiches, waiting on tables to pay off the debt for the high school. We're debtors. We're debtors. We're debtors. And I'm going to pay mine. I hope you'll pay yours. Let us pray. Thank you for listening and if you like this please subscribe and consider liking my Facebook page and joining my group Jesus Answers Prayer.